0: Welcome to Life Church. We are an X242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Amen. Great. So, yeah, we're in a new series called "Pictures of the Kingdom," where we're looking at particular parables and. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what parables are and how they fit into the context of Scripture and how they should fit into our context as people who follow Jesus. And then we'll look at a particular parable and then we'll see what else Jesus has to say. It'll be, it'll be one of those evenings, I think. It's already been one of those evenings, hasn't it? Jesus, Jesus is here. So when I think about parables, uh, we're talking about this in our house. One of the things that happens in our house a lot is my wife is a, is a parable teller yeah it doesn't matter what the circumstance is lisa will have a story that she can start with i remember a time when and then uh, and then she has a story that in some way is vaguely connected to what we're talking about i say vaguely connected <laughs> and, then, and then and then there's a lesson to be learned yeah there's a lesson to be learned from the story that lisa shares and sometimes we can have the idea that That's what a parable is, that a parable is a story that Jesus told because there was a lesson to be learned at the end. There's some kind of moral code that we need to adhere to, some lesson that we need to take hold of and to move on uh, once we've learned that lesson. But I think when Jesus told parables, there was something different that was happening there. And I think that if we look carefully at parables, the whole idea of of a parable in Jesus' teaching was he was particularly trying to provoke the people who were listening. And if we read a parable and we think, oh, that's a nice story, and we move on, we've missed what that parable is actually trying to say. If you read a parable and you don't feel challenged or provoked in some way, then I think you have missed what that parable was trying to do and what Jesus was trying to do with the parable. James Meehan says, Parables are stories intended to teach us who God is, what his kingdom is like, and how we are meant to live as his people. You see, when Jesus started uh, his ministry and he started talking uh, to the people who were listening and he started sharing parables, what he was doing was he was saying, hey, I'm introducing the kingdom of heaven, and these are the values of the kingdom of heaven. He was introducing a new value system. And you can't just, I don't think, you can't just say, here's a new value system, this is what I want you to think, this is how I want you to behave. You have to introduce it in a way that simmers in people's hearts, that simmers, that, that, that causes us to think and to reflect and to have that revelatory moment where we realize maybe this is what Jesus meant. I was listening to a podcast where two um, people were talking about parables, and, and one of the guys, his name is Tim Mackey, does the Bible Project. He was saying, imagine what it would have been like for a first century Jew who had heard all about this Jesus, who was this new teacher on the block, who was doing amazing things, and he thought, Do you know what, I'm going to go and listen to this teacher. And so this this first century Jew, who's a farmer, by the way, decides I'm gonna give up a day's work and I'm gonna go and listen to this new teacher to see what he has to say. So he rocks up and he's excited to hear what Jesus has to say. And Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is is like a farmer who's sows some seed and then he goes to bed, and then he wakes up eventually and the seed sprouts into a tree and he doesn't know how it happens. And then Jesus moves on. Can you imagine what that farmer was thinking? I have given up a day's work to come and listen to this guy tell me my job and then say, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. I want more. Where's, where's this fancy teaching? Where's all the stuff that you're supposed to, to really be breaking down and, and, and showing me new stuff? Why are you telling me about my job? But then maybe he would have gone home and thought about it and thought, you know what, actually it's true. When I do put seed in the ground, I don't really understand how it happens, but, but stuff grows and And maybe that's what he's trying to say. Maybe he's trying to communicate that the kingdom of God happens, and we, we don't see it maybe as we would imagine it to be, but it happens nonetheless. Maybe I need to think about this a bit more. And the more that he reflects on it, the more he gets from it. And I think that's why Jesus told parables, because he wants us to sit in them. He wants us to rest in them, and he wants us to expect that revelation will happen as we think through the things that he was saying. And so we're gonna look at probably the most famous parable of all, the Good Samaritan. No, it's not the Good Samaritan, although you could argue that it's probably more famous than this one. We're gonna look at the parable of the sower. In your Bibles, it may say the parable of the farmer, or it may say the parable of soils, um, because all of those things are true. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But then the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Now imagine coming to hear this teacher, and this is the story that you hear, a story of a farmer sowing seeds. Now, I don't know if any of you ever lived in first century, first century Israel, anyone? First century Israel? No? No one's from the first century Israel. Maybe Lucas, but no one else is from first century Israel. So, so let me help you with that. So a farmer goes out to sow seeds. And the Bible says he just scattered them. Yeah? Just, I want to say willy-nilly, but that doesn't seem to fit very well with the story. So the farmer is scattering his seeds. I want to give you something to look at. Yeah, so he scatters his seeds, I asked Lisa to get me these yesterday, she said, you want wooden balls? <laughs> I said, no, that is a lawsuit waiting to happen, Lisa. So the farmer scatters his seeds, there you go, I'm scattering the seeds, everybody everybody, get in the picture? Here's the thing I want you to notice, the farmer does not look around and think, oh there's good soil there, I'm going to scatter some seed there, oh, oh there's not, that soil is not very good, I'm not scattering any seed there, oh over there, good seed, good soil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the former scatters the seed. And the first thing I want us to realize is that the kingdom of heaven is for everyone. It is for everyone. There isn't a requirement to come into the kingdom of heaven. When people say things like, I'm going to get my life sorted and then I'm going to come and find out about this Jesus stuff, that's not the way it works. We come and find out about the Jesus stuff and that sorts our lives out. He's the one who sorts our lives out. There isn't a prerequisite for the kingdom of heaven. The former scatters the seed. And the seed goes everywhere. The helpful thing about this parable is that this is one of the parables where Jesus tells it. People are a little bit confused. The disciples come to him afterwards. They're like, Jesus, you know that whole farmer seed thing. What does it mean? And Jesus actually explains it. So it, it kind of saves me a bit of work, to be fair. So I don't have to go digging to see what the parable means, because Jesus explains what the parable means. So later on, the disciples come to him, verse 18. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell in the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. In many, in many, um, many occasions, you may think of the soils as a condition of our hearts. What is your heart like? And it may be easy to fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm someone who follows Jesus, and so I, I fall into the category of good soil. I'm I'm a good soil person. So all the way through this parable when we get to the end and talk about the good soil That's who I am because I love Jesus and I follow what he says And uh, and if this if you if you forget everything else I'm saying, please remember this. That is not necessarily true. I believe that at different points in our lives we can have different types of soil in our lives and we have to be aware of that we have to be aware that that is a possibility You know, we did a series on idols, uh, last series we did, and uh, we looked at Solomon in one of the sessions, (coughs) and Solomon had this occasion where he had a dream, God turned up to him and said, Solomon, what do you want? What a question for God to ask, what do you want? And Solomon answers, 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 9, he says, give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart with which to judge your people so that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge and rule this great people of yours? He asked for an understanding mind and a hearing heart. That was good soil. He said, I want, I want this to be good soil. And he listened to what God said. And he ruled well. But he didn't always rule well. In fact, towards the end of his career as a king, towards the end of his life, he made some terrible choices some terrible decisions. And the Bible says at the end of his life, that his many wives, which is one of the rules for kings, that they shouldn't have many wives, but he broke that rule. Among many other rules that he broke as a king, the Bible says his many wives turned his heart away from God. His soil was no longer good soil. Now let me say this, if it can happen to Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, it sure can happen to us. And so we need to be aware and don't assume that at any given point, this, this is good soil. We have to make sure that it's good soil. We have to ensure that it is good soil. So let's just quickly run through the, the types of soils and then some other things that, that I feel I need to share with you. The, the path. I was thinking about the path. You know, when, when Jesus tells a story that the, the farmer threw the seeds on the path and because it landed on the path... The birds ate the seed and Jesus explained that the enemy snatched the word away. And I thought while I was walking yesterday, maybe it wasn't always a path. Maybe it wasn't always a path. You know, there's a story of a a university in America that asked a a guy to come in and do the landscaping. So he he read it, read all of the, the grounds, made it really beautiful, covered it all in grass. It was lovely. And it was a couple of weeks before term started, and they they called him and said, you've done a great job. It looks absolutely stunning, but there are no paths anywhere. You've forgotten to do the paths. And he said, no, i will be fine. I'm going to come back in October and do the paths. And so the term started, and all the students came in and trampled all over the grass that he'd done. But when he came back in October, he was a clever man, when he came back in October, there were some very clear paths between buildings and from place to place, because he figured the students would know the shortest distance from one place to another, and the best way to go from one place to another, and they would create the paths themselves through the grass, and then all he would do is create a path where they had already created a path for themselves, which is a different sermon altogether. But that was grass first, and then because people stepped on it over time, it became hard. And I wonder if sometimes we can become hard if we have those moments where people step on us over time. And I wonder if maybe things like bitterness and disappointment can make our hearts hard, so that we don't have the opportunity for the seed of God's Word to penetrate our tough exterior and to land where it needs to land. We need to be people that sit in His Word and allow His Word to examine us, to show us any areas in our lives that have become a path, a hard ground where seed will be taken away. The second thing that that Jesus talked about was the rocky soil. And the thing that struck me was the soil wasn't very deep, so the seed landed and it grew, it sprouted. But when the sun came up and shone on the plant that had grown, because there wasn't a depth of soil the sun caused the plant to wither and this really challenged me because if we're not if we don't have enough depth if there isn't enough depth in our hearts something that is meant for our good will destroy us because the sun is good for plants it is good for plants but because they weren't the roots weren't deep enough the thing that was meant for the plant's good destroyed the plant and so we have to be people who ensure that we have enough depth in our lives. How do we have enough depth? Enough depth? We sit with Jesus. We allow him to shape us. We allow him to work in our hearts. Thorns, the, the weeds, they kind of speak for themselves, really. The worries of life, the, the pursuit of wealth, and the desires for other things. The distractions, yeah? The distractions that we have that we place in our own lives sometimes. We get so distracted by things that are our own fault. And it takes away the word that God wants to speak to us. <coughs> I have a friend who we went through a phase where we would meet each other and I'd say, How are you doing? How are you doing? Busy? Busy. And that, that would be how we'd say hi to each other. Because we wanted to over-exaggerate the importance that people placed on being busy. We say I'm busy, like it's like it's something to hold up and say, Look at me, I'm so busy, I'm doing great. Well, no, because that can sometimes be a distraction that takes us away from what God wants to do in us. And then Jesus talked about the good soil. How do we ensure that, that what happens inside of us is good soil? Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3 says this: Break up the unplowed ground. Break up The unplowed ground. The farmer scatters the seed, but we have a responsibility as people who love Jesus to ensure that our soil is in the right place and in the right condition to receive the Word of God so that it can grow and bring fruit. We have to examine our hearts. Of course, if we're too busy, we don't have time to sit and examine our hearts. If we're too busy, we don't have time to sit and say, God, what do you have to say to me today? If we're too busy, we don't have time to open God's word and say, speak to me today. But we have to get to that place so that we can be people who live with the things of God's kingdom in us that He wants to place in us. The way that we have good soil is very simple we hear what God says and we do it. We hear what God says and we do it. We hear what God says. And we put it into action in our lives. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's not, I heard something once and it was a little bit good and I vaguely remember it. It's I have hidden my word, your word in my heart. There is, a, there is an intentionality about it. I have hidden your word in my heart. The same psalm in verse 59 says this, I have considered my ways... And have turned my steps to your statutes. I've thought about the things that happen around me. I've thought about my attitudes. I've thought about what happens in my life. I've thought about the decisions I'm making. I've thought about the things that I'm facing. And I have decided, considering all of those things, I have decided to turn my steps towards your statutes. God, help us. Help us to have this attitude that causes us to turn our steps to his statutes. Now, we're not first century Jews, <coughs> but I think when Jesus told this story, it would have triggered something in the listeners. I think the phrases that he used and the language that he used, those people sitting there listening to him, it would have triggered something in their memory. Because remember, we, we have this, and it's great that we have this. It is great that we have this. But you have to remember that first century Jews would have had some of the Old Testament memorized. That was just part of the way that they grew up. In fact, it's part, some, in some parts of Israel, it's still part of the way that they grew up, where they memorized the first five books of the Torah. So when Jesus used some of the words that he used, I think, this is just me, I think it would have triggered a thought in them. Because he said, when the seed lands in good soil, it will bring forth fruit. 30, 60, or, strange word in some versions, a hundredfold. And we listen to that and we think, yeah, it just means 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times. But there is a moment in the Old Testament where that word is used. One moment in the Old Testament that I could find where that word is used. And it's in Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 says this, Isaac planted crops in the land. And in that same year, reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. I think when Jesus told a the parable, they would have remembered that story. And they would have, their brains would have flicked to that story. And even though I've just read you one verse, Isaac planted crops in the land and in the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him, they would have remembered the context of that story. Why did Isaac plant crops in that year? And why did he reap a hundredfold? It's simple. Beginning of that chapter, verse 2, it says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commandments, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So why did Isaac have a hundredfold? Because God said, stay here and I will bless you. And so he did. He did what God said. God said, I will bless you. He believed what God said, and he acted on what God said, and that led to the hundredfold blessing. If we want to be people who have good soil, we need to believe what God says, and we need to act on what God says. It's not just hearing it and thinking it sounds great. It is putting it into place in our lives. And how does that hundredfold happen? How does it happen? Well, I don't know, but I do know this, that as we're faithful with the very small things, that God does something inside of us. As we faithfully read His Word, as we faithfully live in community, as we faithfully put into practice the things that we're learning, God changes us, and our lives become fruitful. It's like we bring the very tiny The tiny offering of, because seriously, getting up early to read your Bible for 10, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour is a tiny offering in in comparison to what God has done for us. But as we bring that to God and say, I'm going to sit here in this time and read your word and spend some time with you, God meets with us and does stuff in us that sometimes doesn't make any sense. And sometimes maybe we're expecting to see some massive transformation but instead, maybe it happens incrementally. And we'll notice that there was a time where we needed to make decisions, and the decisions were all based around what we wanted and what we thought were best. But now, when we need to make decisions, we're thinking about, what does God want? And what's, what's best as far as the people around me is concerned? What's happened? We've sat in His presence. We've allowed our hearts to be good soil. And the Word of God has begun to change us slowly and slowly. And slowly but consistently. There's a a musician that I like, his name is Jacob Collier. I say musician, uh, he is actually a musical genius. Okay, Jacob Collier is a young man, musical genius. Um, And so I'm going to show you a clip in a minute of Jacob Collier, but I'm just going to explain it to you first. So Jacob Collier wanted to record an album as a young man, he wanted to raise some money, and so he decided to have some fun. He said, hey, what I want you to do on his YouTube channel, he said, you just send me a clip of yourself singing or playing an instrument, just 30 seconds or so, and I will take that clip and I'll add my harmonies to it, and then I'll post it on my channel. For a small fee, I'll post it on my channel. And, uh, and it was called, I Harm You. It's not great, is it? But harm, short for harmony. All right, that sounds a bit weird. I Harm You, but short for harmony. And so what he would do, is, someone would send in a clip of themselves singing, and then he would record harmonies around that person singing whatever it was, and then he would release that. And when I say he'd record harmonies, he'd record all of the harmonies himself. Yep. So all of the instruments that you could imagine, he would do vocally. So he wasn't playing instruments. He would sing all of the harmonies individually, record them together, and then add them to the person's clip. What, is that? what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? I think when we offer the little that we have to God, there's a thing that God does that makes our little amazing. And even if our little is amazing, when God comes in, and sees our faithfulness that we're trying to ensure that we have good soil, he makes that even more amazing. So here's the clip. The first is it's in two sections. So there's a guy who sings, plays the piano, he sings a, a song about Jesus, which is quite good. Yeah, he plays the piano, and then it goes straight into the, 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 the kind of harmony that Jacob Collier adds to it. Thank you. You have overcome. You have overcome. Overcome, for there is no one who can take away. Your love. You have overcome, you have. ridiculous, isn't it? He is a ridiculous human being. What a talent. But how beautiful, how different that was when all of those harmonies surrounded that one initial, initial piece of music. And when we are faithful in ensuring that there are no weeds in our heart, that there's no rocks in our heart, there isn't a rocky path, that we have good soil, It may seem like it takes ages for stuff to happen, but trust me, there is that harmony that God brings, that beautiful addition of anointing, of presence, of power that God brings that changes who we are and what we are to do in this community that we live in. God does it in us. We tend our hearts, and He causes the seed to flourish. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your skill, Jesus. You could have just said to your disciples, hey, guys, be good soil. Let's move on. But you you did it in such a way to make us think. And so I pray that we'll be people who take that parable of your kingdom and that we will examine our own hearts. Help us to see where we've allowed distraction to get in the way. Help us to see where... Maybe there's some rocks, or maybe there's some hardness, maybe there's, there's something in us that, that we just won't give to you, or we're reluctant to give to you. Help us, Jesus, to be submissive in your presence. Lord, we want to put into action the things that you have already told us. Help us to be, be, be people who obey your word, not just hear it, but obey it. And cause your word to shape us so that we bring forth the fruit that we should. In Jesus' name, amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchority.com.